You're listening to The Enlightened Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah Jane, and I'm a gentle chiropractor, holistic counsellor, energetic worker, intuitive guide, and yoga and meditation teacher. I'm the host and creator of The Enlightened Podcast, and I'll be bringing you stories of resilience, consciousness, healing, the human experience, and just how trauma, loss, and grief can shape us to be more compassionate and more empathetic human beings than ever before. These stories are for the highly sensitives, the empaths, and those wanting to hear a unique approach to holistic health. Hello and welcome to this episode. I'm Dr. Sarah-Jane Perry and our beautiful, beautiful guest is a good friend of mine and she is so amazing for so many reasons and I messaged her a couple of weeks ago asking if she would be willing to be a guest on my podcast and she said yes, which is wonderful and why she is here. So I'm just going to introduce you all to Jacintha Field. Hi, Jacintha. Hello, my wonderful, beautiful woman. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Yay! I'm excited to have you here as well. Um, so can you tell us a bit about yourself and a bit up about your journey up until now because I haven't really introduced you and and what you do and and what you're about so I'm sure they would love to hear about you know where you're currently at where you've been and where you hope to be going oh my goodness where do I start (laughs) Um, it's such a big journey so I um so I'm a holistic health coach. I'm all about integrative nutrition. So uh, healing our gut. I think a lot of our um, a lot of our issues and sickness comes from our gut health. So I spend a lot of time in healing my own gut um, in order to teach other people that you know our gut is our second brain. So I also um, am really into emotional health. I think that as human beings, we've all experienced a lot of levels of trauma in our life. I certainly have. Some people have those really cruisy lives where they just go through and not much happens or (laughs) unfortunately, but fortunately that's not me. I've had a lot of... um, a lot of different times in my life where I've had to um, work through and evolve and process and, yeah, it's been a bit of a challenge but um, I wouldn't have it any other way because it is who it's made me today. So um, I would say, so where do I start with my story? So I was always kind of a happy little girl growing up. Um, I was always smiling and laughing. I loved the colour yellow. I was, um, But I, I didn't fit, fit in. I didn't feel like I fit in with everyone around me um I was always different in some capacity I thought differently I felt differently I could always feel things that other people couldn't feel um and so I kind of as a child essentially lost myself and abandoned myself as um, I've just done work around recently I abandoned myself the real self um when I was younger to become part of the mold and to become part of who I think I should be but not necessarily who I was. So growing up, um, I was in an abusive relationship for 10 years. Um, Just, you know, it just, it was on and off for such a long time just because my level of self-worth was so low that I didn't think that I deserved any better. Um, And so I had a lot of trouble processing through that. 
over time, um, you know, I just kept on going back to something that was familiar, not necessarily what was good for me. And then, um, yeah, I, I was single for seven years um, before meeting uh, my next partner. Um, you know, I had a couple of a couple of um, relationships, short short lived relationships in between. Um, but yeah, I I really don't feel that my life started until I became a mum. So yeah. uh, I have a beautiful son who's almost six years old. Um, he's my little pride and joy. He is my little soul child that he's definitely my biggest teacher in this world. He's the one that has taught me more about myself and more about who I want to be in this world um, more than anything else. I'm so incredibly grateful and lucky to have him. So before becoming a mum, about four years ago, so I've always had very hardcore jobs, like I've worked in PR and events and, you know, up to 16-hour days and just go, 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 go. And I realised that I was doing that simply because I, you know, we all have different things in life, like people will drink alcohol or they'll take drugs or, um, you know, they'll go out and party or social media or they'll sleep around or whatever. You can you can hear my puppy in the background. Sorry about that. Hi, Cookie. <laughs> Body Dalmatian puppy that is literally my little shadow. She's very cute. Um, so, yeah, I immersed myself into work and I really, um, yeah, used used that just to not deal with the, the stuff that was coming up for me. I'd be like, oh, I'm too busy with work. And then over time, I've also drank a lot. I used to drink. Um, I used to party a lot. I used to just escape, use whatever escapism I possibly could uh, to not deal with the stuff that I knew deep down in my soul that I needed to deal with. Like I've had a lot of traumas in my life. I was raped at one point in my life. Um, and, yeah, I've been in abusive relationships, whether they're, you know, em- emotionally, um, I was in emotionally, mentally and abusive relationship um, just because I just didn't know who I was. It was a little girl lost in the world not knowing who I was because I was trying to be something that I wasn't. Um, so about three or four years ago, I made the decision to stop drinking. I said I was already starting to slow down a little bit um, before becoming pregnant with my beautiful son and I'd already realised that it was just not serving me anymore. It just didn't light me up. I, you know, as much as I love having fun and I love being social and I love being that like life of the party, I just thought that I got to a level of drinking where, you know, I'd even have one or two glasses of wine and I'd I'd drive home and I wouldn't even remember getting home. You know, it was starting to have that real effect on me where, yeah, it it, it wasn't truly who I wanted to be and I knew that um, deep down. About 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, I started secretly because it wasn't socially acceptable then seeing a meditation teacher. Uh, because I knew that there was deep trauma within me, but you know, back then, like all of the spirituality and development, um, development that's out there now wasn't around back then. And no. a beautiful meditation teacher um, called Michelle, and she just got me to draw. She said, "Just draw, just get all your emotions." Because at that stage, I wasn't able to express how I was feeling. I would just draw. 
So I'd get as many colors as I possibly could out and whatever intuitively I felt like drawing at that time, I got this beautiful notebook and I just started drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing. And that was the start of my um, awakening process, I guess you could say, where I knew during that time when I was with her that that was that was how I started to become into myself and work out what it is that I wanted to do in life. And it took me quite a few years to stop drinking after that. Um, you know, I'd, I'd stop and I'd go back and think, oh, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? And I'd stop and then I'd go back to drinking and then I'd go back to partying and then I'd go back here and then I'd go back there. And it wasn't until after I was a mum, so it was when Axel was 18 months old, and I said, so I went out for dinner and um, had a great night. I hadn't drank for, he was 18 months, so if you think about it, he was 18 months and I'd been pregnant for nine months, so I hadn't drank for a couple of years. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool, let's get back to the old me. So I went out, had like martinis, had espresso martinis, we had a ball, we had such a fun night, it was awesome, you know, it was great. And then all of a sudden the fact that I hadn't drank in a couple of years and I started trying to get back to the person that I was, my body completely injected it and I just started throwing up. But I did it secretly because I didn't want anyone to know because I still wanted to I still wanted to have my old life but be the new me and I was in this yeah. stage where I was like, well, I just don't know who I am. Like, you know, what am I? Am I this person that I want to be or am I a person that needs to be this person to fit in with everyone else? And that night um, I was on the couch. Like I was so sick. <laughs> it, was so, it was so sick. I was just so sick that night and the next day I woke up I had two breakfasts, I had KFC, McDonald's and ate about five kilos of chocolate. Like it's, for me, so not much. hungover, I <laughs> eat because I'm, I'm so emotional, you know, I'm, I'm like I'm sabotaging my body and I almost have this fried food in order to soak up all of the um, nastiness that I've put into my body. Mm. And I had an 18-month-old baby at that stage and I and it wasn't fair on him like I wasn't being present to him he just wanted his mum and I was a wreck I didn't exercise for about five days after that and I made a decision and said I just don't want to drink anymore I don't want to be that person anymore that's just the soul of me that's not who I am that's not who I want to be and so for a little while I didn't tell anyone that I'd stopped drinking because it wasn't socially acceptable. We live in a culture where, you know, we're celebrated for being the drunkest person in the room and we laugh and joke about how, oh, gosh, I got so blind last night and, you know, I couldn't remember anything and, you know, I had fights with this person or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, it's it's just not a life that I wanted to lead. So. I didn't tell anyone for a little while and um, I told my, my partner at the time, obviously, but, you know, I just, I just made that decision for me and that was probably the most empowering decision that I've, I've made for myself where that was the start of my journey to say, no, I don't want to be this person that needs to fit in with other people. I just want to be me. I want to I deal with all of the stuff that I've got inside me and I want to have that level of happiness that I had as a child. And I knew, knew that I could never get to that level living my old life. So yeah. um, 
I stopped drinking and you'd be amazed how much me stopping drinking triggered other people. I actually had someone recently, I still, it's now been, um, you know, almost four or five years and I haven't even had a sip of alcohol. Over time I've tried to drink and say, oh, do I want this? And it just doesn't agree with me and it's not what I want to be doing with my life. And I had somebody recently say to me, I, I was going over to her house for dinner and she said to me, oh, don't judge me, I've been drinking. Mm. My stopping drinking triggered so many people. They wouldn't, I wouldn't get invited to the things that I used to get invited to because people think that I judge them for drinking. I don't judge anyone for drinking. My goodness, have I had a fun time in my life. Like the times where I have drank. Have you too much fun? <laughs> too much fun. Yeah, I've had an absolute ball. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not, I don't judge anyone for drinking because I think it's fun. And, you know, if that's what you need to do within yourself to relax and be who it is that you want to be, it's, you know, that's okay. We all do what works for us. Um, It just wasn't working for you to an extent where you knew that you had to stop, whereas for other people they can drink and use it as a, you know, a social um, interaction or a social enhancer or, or whatever it might be and use it, I guess, in the appropriate way whereas you felt that it wasn't in alignment with you whereas many others do feel that it is in alignment with them and and there's no judgment upon that either absolutely and you know I knew I was using it as an escapism I was drinking and partying and doing whatever else because I was trying to escape Um, and that's when I think that you know that you that's when it becomes a problem if you're drinking or partying or doing whatever if you're doing that so you can escape, that's where the issues come in. But if you're doing it because you love the glass of it, you know, you love wine or you love champagne or you love a beer, there's no problems with that. I don't love mm. the taste of alcohol. I, I don't, I don't, I, I couldn't, I, like people, yeah. don't you love a glass of wine? I said, no, I don't. I don't like the taste. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if, if it's an escapism, that's where you need to look at it. If you're just going because you love the taste, that's a completely different story. And that's okay. I'm not here to judge anyone on their journey. Everyone here is doing the best that they can and they're living a life that they want to lead or or are they? Like that's something obviously every person on this earth needs to ask themselves. But for me, that was a decision I made for me. I wanted to be the best mum that I possibly could be and that meant not drinking um, in in my view for myself. And so I just quit and... Um, then I started studying because I was, um, working in, I have ha- I've had a PR and social media agency, which is house of mouse, which I started while I was pregnant and I've had some incredible clients over time, but with PR, with social media, there's no end game. There's no like start process and end process. You know, you kind of work around the clock and that was very taxing on me as well to be able to work those really long hours, have a child, you know, run a household. It was challenging. And I kind of fell apart. I was like, you know, I'm working so hard, but I don't feel like I'm getting ahead. And so 
um, after I stopped drinking, I made the decision to study to become a holistic health coach because nutrition and integrative nutrition had always been part of my soul. I knew that what I put in my body made me um, feel a certain way. You know, I knew that having too much sugar affected my emotions and I knew that dairy didn't necessarily agree with me. It made me feel heavy, but I never realized the science as to why. Um, I just knew how it made me feel, but I didn't know why. So I studied integrative nutrition to become a holistic health coach or an integrative nutrition holistic health coach. And I loved the process. It really opened my eyes to the world and organic food and why things aren't good for us and, you know, nutrients that we need to be putting into our body like magnesium and zinc and, you know, vitamin C and all of these ways that we can naturally heal our body. I've never been one to take... um, you know, prescription drugs, unless, of course, obviously very necessary. I like to to heal myself in the most natural way possible. And so that course really opened my eyes to, you know, just different ways that I can I can heal my body. I can heal my gut. I can heal different elements by using what's, you know, mother nature and what 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 has been created for us by divine consciousness or God or, you know, or the universe or whatever word you want to use for it. It's, you know, been living in the ground and has been able to heal our bodies in ways that we didn't realize is even possible. And I found that, that course just so inspiring. Um, but, you know, we learn 109 dietary theories and I've been on oh, wow. most diets <laughs> of life. Like I've always, I was on an egg diet once, which was, wasn't for everyone <laughs> around me. But, you know, I have always had that element into me of, of um, curiousness where I want to, I've always wanted to know what works for me and my body. And uh, mm. we learn about bioindividuality during that course. So the reason why we learned 109 dietary theories that what works for me isn't going to work for another. So yeah. as a coach, you have to learn what works for every potentially different client that walks in the door because it's not like, you know, you get this, you know, I know with a lot of different industries you can get this cookie cutter, this is the way that you have to be. And for me that didn't work. Like I tried keto for a while and it sent my hormones into a mess. You know, keto didn't work for me. And this is where I stumbled across Ayurveda um, during that course. And I I follow a lot of Ayurvedic practitioners and um you know, that just became very close to my heart and I read about the different doshas. So, you, you know, you can do a, a I, anyone wants to come and ask me for it, I can give you a um, a little quiz that you can work out which dosha you are. And I'm a vata and that means that I can't have raw food. Me too. I'm a vata as well. I'm a vata. We can talk about this once more. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can't have raw food. My food needs to be cooked. So I need to have a lot of soups and um, dals and, um, you know, just a lot of food that's cooked rather than just, you know, I'd have smoothies for years thinking that I was doing the best thing, but it wasn't right for my body. Smoothies and eating salads was actually doing more detriment to my body than health. Like I was always bloated and I was like, how can I be bloated? I'm eating vegetables. Mm. Yeah, so Ayurveda has really opened my eyes to such a beautiful way of living um, from a natural elements in our body, you know, making sure that we have, I used to do a lot of boxing and hardcore exercise because I thought that that's what I needed to um, 
get the body that I, I wanted, but you know, it wasn't right for me. My body has never been in better shape and I've never had more self-love in my body um, since doing yoga. Before that, one of my hardcore exercise, it was just affecting my gut health and my gut health was making me bloated and that was making me feel like I had an extra five kilos. So as a health coach, these are all things that I want people to learn within themselves. You know, what is working for your body? What is working for your soul? You know, are you the type of person that needs the hardcore exercise because that's that's who you are or are you the type of person that needs more softer softer exercise? I remember when I was um, just had a baby and I used to do Pilates with a beautiful friend of mine. I was like, no, no, this isn't working. It's not working for my body. But it was. It was just my mind that I had to train to, to realise that we don't need to thrash ourselves mm. to heal. Sometimes yeah. about being more gentle with ourselves all the time. I see that a lot, like in my clinic, yeah. you know, a lot of the time people are already coming in so, you know, full of cortisol or adrenal fatigue or um, gut or digestive issues or just completely overstimulated in their nervous system and they're doing exercise which has you know um, exactly like what you said the the idea to thrash themselves when in fact you know that's driving the cortisol more driving their nervous system into more overdrive more and more so it's even better for them to consider things like yoga or meditation or or even something just a slower form a slower pace in terms of the exercise can actually be more beneficial and sometimes I say to them do the opposite of what you think you want to do and, and what is actually good for you with different things, you know? Exactly. And it's it's essentially a um, self-sabotage. You know, you're sabotaging your body um, rather than being intuitive and listening in to what your body needs in that moment. Um, yeah. Sometimes you just need to go for a walk or do nothing. You need sleep. I mean, we, we can have a whole podcast on sleep. Sleep is single-handedly one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves. If we don't have that element of sleep, um, in our Ayurveda, we need to be in bed by 10 o'clock. Otherwise, you have a second sleeping cycle, um, mm. you know, and we're all on our on our phones and <laughs> electron <laughs> before bed when it's potentially one of the worst things that we can do because our body takes longer to get into that um, restorative state before going to sleep. Um, you know, we all live in a fight and flight response and, um, you know, we're on the go and we've got to do this and we've got to achieve and we've got to, it's a learned behavior with me actually. And I've, I've just listened to a podcast just recently, which taught me that, um, a learned behavior with me is that you need to be on the go and you need to be constantly active in order to achieve. And that's a sense of self-worth within myself that I find it hard to relax because of that learned behavior and that habit that I've brought on into myself and into my life, um, that, yeah, unless I'm doing, I'm not being. And that's so wrong. You know, we are all being on every day. We don't need to thrash ourselves or work hard or throw ourselves into anything. Sometimes we can just be. And whether that means just reading a book or even, you know, for some people watching Netflix, that's okay, you know, because you're being. And our body needs that restorative time in order to heal. Um, yeah, so I made it very close to my heart. Um, I love the practices and the herbs and the supplements and things that we can do for our body. Um, yeah, so um, that's kind of kind of me. Uh, my next processes will be um, 
learning yoga. I do a daily sadhana practice with the Light Collective and Sayan Pascal, um, which is really nice. It's just nice to get up and and do something for myself every day. I um, do a daily meditation practice every single day. Um, and, yeah, I just kind of do whatever levels I can for myself. But it's a journey. We're all on a journey to experience kind of who, who we are. Um, but my son is the most precious and important person in my life and I just love being a mother. My life really didn't start until he came into my life because he's just a precious little soul and he challenges me and he teaches me and I want to be the best mum that I can be to teach him um, and to guide him on his path. I think conscious parenting is also something that's very close to my heart and I think that quite often as parents we control our children um, to be something that we want them to be and I think that we really need to listen to our kids and allow them to be who they want to be because I know that I've spent the majority of my life healing my childhood um, and my childhood experiences because I didn't feel that I could be the person that I wanted to be in life because it wasn't acceptable. And, yeah, I think for me with my son, it's it's listening into what he wants a lot of the time and being a guide for him but not, not a sense of, uh, you know, I don't need to tell him how to live his life. I just need to be there for him in the way that he wants to live his life. And that's a process and that's hard. Yeah. Very different to the way that we were all <laughs> brought up, you know, and I think in this generation of parents there is a lot more conscious parenting and that can be a result of the fact that, like you said, we're, we are all working through our own childhoods or have spent majority of our life, you know, processing what they were and, and not wanting to allow them to affect us or not wanting to make the same mistakes, so to speak, for our own families. And mm. I just wanted to ask you, um, you speak a lot about Axel being kind of that turning point for you in your life and I think for so so many of my clients as well it's really hard to have that self-love to make the changes in our lives and a lot of the time you know children or family or, or other things can be that catalyst where we we do it for them we do it because we love them so much and that can kind of change things for us do you think that you would have made similar changes and choices had Axel not come along for yourself or do you think that Axel, like where do you think he would be if Axel hadn't come into your life? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I think that I was already at a turning point before I became pregnant. Um, yeah. I think that, yeah, I was already kind of on a path that I knew needed needed big adjustments but I didn't feel that it was socially acceptable by the people around me, um, whereas me quitting drinking because I'm pregnant is okay or driving the car and not drinking is okay but me literally saying I don't drink or I don't want to drink is not okay. And, um, yeah, I think that's where you have to do a lot of work on yourself. Like I've been doing work for 10, 15 years and I've still got a long way to go, a long way to go. Don't you hate that? <laughs> like I, I've done so much work as well and 
I don't drink anymore for similar reasons to you. Um, I was a very, very big party animal in my youth and made some really poor decisions and life choices and and other things as a result of that, but similar to you as well, all came from a a lack of belief in myself or a lack of love for myself. And Mm. also I felt like when I was drunk I was able to be me and I wasn't judged. It's quite an interesting thing with alcohol. I was like, oh, I can be me. I can be, you know, free and I felt less judged when I was drinking, Mm. whereas opposed had I acted that way sober, you know, the connections that you have with people are different because we've all got our guards up with all about, you know, what what might people think of me if I say or do this, whereas, you know, in that environment where people are drinking, everyone's more at ease and, and you actually can make better connections with people than you had when you're sober. I agree. So I agree. <laughs> don't you agree? The levels of connections um, when, yeah, when, when you're drinking, they are deeper levels of conversations that you have with people and I miss that and I'm trying to find that now on a sober level like I'm I'm starting to find my beautiful tribe such as yourself you know of people that I can have these levels of conversations without being drunk because I think that that's that's the true you that comes out and that's when you know that you've 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 healed you know even that little bit of area of yourself when you can be able to be yourself around people without any other influences yeah yeah and it is part of the Australian society as well and and I know very similar to you when I would say to people oh no I don't drink like well what's wrong (laughs) why were you an alcoholic you know or what happened or and I was like well no I just had an unhealthy relationship with it and it I knew that if I was in my best version of me, I, I wasn't doing the things that I did when I drank. And when I did drink, I drank a lot too. You know, I wasn't just having one or two. I would be drunk, you know, um, and that was my intention when I drank as well. And I think that's a big part of it too. You know, with my intention, it was literally, oh, how can I quickly get drunk? How could I, you know, I loved when... I could outdrink people as well in the sense of like I could have 15 drinks and I was fine, you know. <laughs> fine. Oh. Better comments. I'm fine. Yeah, fine. You know, like, <laughs> um, yeah, I completely agree. Like it's um, it's so when I stopped drinking, I I wrote a piece. I I started my website, which was just in Thurakan, and then and um and I wrote an article on this, and it was published all over. And one publication actually made out that I was a complete alcoholic drunk. Like, you know, I'm a drunken motherhood saved me. And that's not how it was at all. Um, You know, I was like it was decisions that I made. Somebody actually said to me, oh, there was a couple of times in my life that, you know, I'm just like, wow, that's like the next day people have told me things. I was like, wow. I think, yeah. Um, Yeah. But just I had to write an article in order for people to accept the fact that I didn't drink, that was published everywhere. And, yeah, they made out that I was some sort of massive alcoholic um, mother who who stopped drinking. But I just think, you know, it's it's like yourself. Like we're making decisions for ourselves. Like what, where, what happened and when did life, when did, when did it become, you know, a culture where we have to do what everyone wants just to fit in? Why can't we fit out? What's wrong with fitting out? Why can't we just make decisions that are right for us in that moment? Um, yeah, I think that we all need to kind of just make a decision that that 
that is good for us, whatever that may be. We're all human beings on this planet and we all think differently and we all feel differently. I have an ability to be able to feel deeper than other people can. I can feel things before people can feel them. I kind of know what's what's coming before it comes because I can feel. I know when people are pulling away from me or I know when when things aren't quite right because I can feel it. And I think that me stopping alcohol and and allowing myself to feel is one of the nicest things that I've ever done for myself and that's an act of self-love, right? Oh, so much. And I think, you know, that really is a, a well part of the reason why I drink as well is I got sick of feeling so much. Yeah. You know, like you, I, I knew I was different from a very young age. I I felt that everyone got this, you know, manual that told them how to be in this world and I didn't get it, you know. <laughs> I found it very challenging, especially socially throughout my whole life to to, to fit in. Um, and I think the, the more I tried, the more people knew that I wasn't one of them as well, you know. <laughs> and so I know for myself I, I'm, I feel the same way. I'm definitely highly sensitive. I definitely am highly intuitive. So I also drank to numb that feeling because I felt like I felt too much compared to other people. Like other people didn't seem to be as affected by things as I did or didn't. And and then I'd think I was going crazy because I'd think that oh, that's going to happen or I can feel them pulling away and they'd say, no, I'm not. And oh, but I can feel it, you know. Um, so it, all those things I think do contribute to um, many of us using lots of things as coping mechanisms, whether it's food, alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be. Um, I think, you know, sensitive individuals do tend to do that in a socially accepted way to numb themselves. People are scared of feelings. So I'm recently, um, it's probably, yeah, going through a separation, which has happened in the last kind of eight months. And I've had to feel, I have had to sit in my emotions and feel every single thing that I possibly can because I'm so determined to work through my traumas and work through um, a lot of things that I haven't processed in life in order to not bring them to my next relationship. I think as humans it's so important um, and I'm amazed at how many people are so scared by me feeling and so often people have said to me um oh why don't you go to the doctor and get something you know you need to get antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication I'm like no I just need to feel like when did we as human race stop feeling like what what we think we're going to take a pill and everything's going to be okay no that's just a band-aid fix and for some people I'm not saying it's it's not okay for some people it's my personal belief as a holistic health coach that at this stage in my life and it may change you know things do change that's not what I wanted to do for myself and so I'm taking the long route I'm taking that element of you know feeling and making sure I feel into every part of me and you know through trauma and through separation and divorce and you learn so much about yourself. Um, this is a, a journey for me on learning so much about me and how I could have been better or how I could have showed up for myself more or I have a tendency when I'm when I feel attacked or when I feel hurt, I I run away and I'm like a turtle in a shell. Like I'm like, oh, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. And people really, really react to that. 
Like I kind of run away from people rather than running to them. I kind of just go, okay, all right, I need to deal with this on my own. And I think as humans, we need that time. Like if something in your life has happened to you, um, you know, during your childhood or your adulthood, you've got to give yourself that space to be able to feel through it. Because if you don't feel and you just mask it with, with, with drugs or alcohol or, you know, if you sleep around or too much to social media or too much work or whatever your vice is, for me, it's sugar. Like I'm, I've, I've written articles on this. I'm a sugar addict. When I can't deal with my emotions, I eat a lot of sugar. And mm. I know that. I know that that's a trigger for me. So for me, it's better to have no sugar than, than even a tiny bit. Um, you know, I, it's, just, it's just my being. Like I just love sugar but I know how bad it is for me. I wrote a whole article on my website about this. Sugar is the devil. It's <laughs> the devil. Like people like just, just, just like when you're drinking, they say, just have one. I'm like, I don't want to have one. Or they're like, just have a muffin or a chocolate bar. I'm like, I can't have just one. I'll have a lot more than that. And I'll go on a sugar binge for a long time. Um, but yeah, like I think as humans, why are we so scared to feel? And also, why are we so scared to hold that space for another human being to feel? Why do we think that we need to solve their problems? The best people that have surrounded me have allowed me just to be me and just to feel and just to cry and just to be. And you're amaz- I'm amazed at how many people can't allow another human being to do that, you know, why can't we be there for people and just hold space for them to feel? There's nothing wrong with feeling. We're very scared of it. And, yeah, I'm here to teach people that it's okay to feel and I'm here to hold space for people to feel and to, you know, express those emotions that they need to go through to get to that that um, different layer of evolution. Um, through traumas we learn so much but they're there to teach us something. You know, what can I learn in this experience? What what can I learn from this? What what can I do better next time? How can I be better? How can I, you know, yeah, because it's, um, yeah. yeah, traumas are hard. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you either if you do feel, you know. I think a lot of people and I know a lot of clients that see me, like you said, they don't have that person around them who does hold that space for them. I don't think we're taught that, you know. Um, A lot of the time, even when you're little, like if you fall over and you scratch your knee and you start crying, don't cry, come on, you know, up you get. You know, it starts from a very young age and it can be subliminal or direct, but we we are fed these messages that, you know, it's only in certain settings that you are allowed to feel and even we've even got time frames along that, you know, like you can be sad, oh, that's hard. You can be sad for a certain amount of time for that, you know, and then you have to get over it or move on and all, all of those kind of things. So I think as a society we really have a lot to work on in terms of feelings and uh, I guess being okay with other people feeling and being okay with ourselves feeling because I think when we do hold space for people, the ones who are best at that are the ones who are best at feeling and um demonstrating that themselves yeah you know it's funny you should say that I was listening to a podcast because you know I'm the type of person that will immerse myself in everything I possibly can listen to all podcasts great you know I'm going through a separation divorce I want to know everything like how, how I'll read every book that I can and um I was listening to this beautiful podcast by um Lisa I think her name's Cordoff and she said the same thing she said 
people put a time frame on get grief and they say, okay, cool, it's been six months, you should be over it. It's like, well, no, it comes in waves. Just as you think that you're over something, it's like a layer of an onion. You know, you think, okay, cool, I'm over this, I'm happy, and then you get like slammed with this new wave of emotions that you're not experiencing. You're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm not ready for this, I'm not ready for this. And you have to process another layer and then you have to process another layer. And, you know, it can take years to to process what you need to, especially if you haven't processed things from the past. Yeah, and especially things like grief, like even when you're talking about like a relationship separation, it's not just grieving the actual relationship it's it's grieving what you thought the relationship would be what you thought your life would be in regards to relationships or who you thought that person was to you or who you thought you were and it's it's so multifaceted and I think that's also why you know we can't just have these socially acceptable time frames on on emotions it's just you know it's something that I try to do in my practice is literally the the most relief that people get is when I say that's such a normal reaction that's such a normal response you know and they're like oh is it you know, of course it is um if your relationship has come to an end you're allowed to be sad you're allowed to be you know angry you're allowed to all those things and the fact that people feel that they can't have those emotions associated with things or they feel that they can just for a certain amount of time I find, you know, is is so many reasons why people feel that so alone or disconnected or that something is wrong with them. It is a very lonely process. It absolutely is. Would You know, I'm not just holding emotions for myself. I'm holding emotions for my son too. And it's been very, very, like I, he's been my number one priority um, you know, during the last little while. Like I make sure I am there for him whenever I can be. You know, and I'm when I'm there, I'm there. And I always say to him, how are you feeling? And is there anything you need to talk about? And, you know, I've created a safe space for him where he can talk to me about anything. And he's, you know, and it's such a beautiful process that it has allowed us to bond in a deeper level that, you know, he's very open with me about how he's feeling. And I say to him, it's okay to feel, mate. It's okay. Like, you know, if you're feeling something, let's talk about it. Because if you hold... If you hold anger or sadness or emotions in your body, that's what makes us sick. We need to get those emotions out and we get that by by speaking about it or by drawing. I do a lot of art therapy with him, you know, if he's feeling sad or is, you know, over isolation, my goodness, he chucked some tantrums and, you know, it's just because he didn't understand. He said to me, Mummy, Mummy, like I'm so confused I said what do you mean mate and he said well there was the bushfires and then I had to deal with the bushfires and then you know I'm back at school and then you know that was hard for me being at school and then I'm not at school anymore and I'm doing homeschooling and then you know I've got all of this separation to deal with and then you know then there's coronavirus and you know I'm confused and I really have to talk it through with him all the time like his level of confusion and and why why he's feeling confused and and making him realize that it's okay but if I hadn't created that space for him as a mum if I hadn't have created that space for him you know he, he life might be very different for him right now you know I think that it's it's okay as parents to be able to talk to our children and let them know that it's okay uh, for them to talk to us about certain things. Um, you know, if you say to them, stop crying, even if you say that once, they're going to remember that. 
that you're not the person to go to in that safe environment, that they can't talk to those feelings. My son's, and he's very similar to me, you know, you'll see on my social media a lot that I'm like, oh, life's great, always happy, and sometimes I'm dying inside. You know, I've had a lot of friendships in the in the past end that have absolutely destroyed me. Um, but on social media, I'm like, oh, no, life's amazing, life's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, my son's very similar that he will put on this front that everything is okay. As soon as he walks out of his house, he's smiling, he's happy. He said to me, mummy, I don't really... I don't really cry in front of anyone else but you. Um, you know, he cries in front of his dad of course, uh, as well, of course, but, you know, there's not that that he puts on a show that he, everything's fine when sometimes it's not fine and I guess I'm, as a mother, trying to teach him that it's life isn't always fine. You've got to go through times in life where it's going to be challenging and but that's what helps us to grow. That's what helps us to evolve. Those challenges are set for us for a reason. You know, um, as I said, I've had some tough obstacles to get through in life, so many tough obstacles to get through in life. But that's also made me more resilient. And, you know, um, it's made me stronger. It's made me more independent. It's made me look more about myself. So, I don't want to shield my son from having those experiences. I don't want to shield him from having pain. You know, in some sense, I know this is going to sound weird, but I want him to experience pain because that's how he understands himself more. Yeah. And there's such a loneliness in that pretending everything's okay as well. It's, there's such a sadness in that, you know, um, you just don't really know what's going on for people. And and a lot of the time, even when people are authentic and are genuine and we say we want these things, you know, we've got like Brene Brown and, you know, vulnerability is kind of this big thing at the moment. But I still find a lot of the time when even I'm vulnerable on my social media or authentic on it, yes, it gets a bit of following, but it's also very challenging for people yeah. to hear that, Triggered. to face that, to see that. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of like, no, no, I only want to hear about the good things you're doing or I only want to hear about the good times you're having. Um, so we're still not quite there yet. We, we're holding space more and we're, we're getting more aware of that, you know, embracing that, that vulnerability side and, and all of those things. But I still think we're not quite sure when we do actually see it or hear it, how to actually deal with that. We still are like, oh, that's a bit uncomfortable. And, you know, we discussed previous to recording about, you know, how important it is to start becoming comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm, exactly. And Breen Brown is, is one of my mentors. You know, she's she's been one of the reasons that I am so open and raw and vulnerable with, with who I am because I've listened to a lot of her work with vulnerability and shame. And, um, you know, I'm not scared to be vulnerable. I'm not scared to tell my story. I'm not scared to, you know, talk about what's happened but you know I have had situations in my life where um you know I've been accused of playing a victim and you know what Mm -hmm. they're right like sometimes I can play the victim and I'm working that within myself like to put things on social media there's this element of because I have one foot in one life and one foot in the other you know I have an old life of living in a PR and social media and you know being um, say less unconscious and then I have this other beautiful world which is kind of where I belong being more conscious and talking about kind of my my experiences in the hope that that will help other people um, but it's a very fine line between playing a victim and and 
taking too much responsibility you know sometimes especially my holistic clients because obviously I work holistically as well Mm. I find the practitioners that I do treat who are holistic minded especially have a lot of shame in that idea of just automatically feeling like they're playing too much of the victim and not taking enough responsibility and it's almost they're hyper vigilant in that regards like they take too much responsibility you know so it's finding that nice balance between the two but I think one of the things that I admire really the most about you is just how open you are um, and you share everything from such a raw and just a real place. And, um, you know, when you do do that, that creates space for other people to feel safe to do the same. So I want to thank you from a personal level in regards to that. But just as we wrap up, I just wanted to know, I have a little question that I ask everyone on here and I just wanted to know what are three things you want people to know about you and what are three things you don't want people to know about you interesting um the first thing I'd have to say is that everything I do in life comes from a place of love I might go the wrong way about it sometimes I might project I might play a victim but I'm always coming from a place of love I want everyone in this world to be happy and if I can help them in any way to be happy I want to help that person to be happy because I think everyone deserves happiness. Um, The second thing would be um, just to be more grateful. I think I need to be more grateful as well um, for different areas of my life and I think we all all do – do need to pay a lot of gratitude. One of the things I do with my son before we go to bed or during the day is ask him things that he's grateful for in life. And I think that, you know, we all have so much to be grateful for as, as long as we open our eyes. Yeah. Um, the third thing about me would be that I really want to do hip hop dancing. <laughs> 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 I, I didn't see that coming. I am a lanky giraffe who really loves dancing and making people smile. And sometimes that's at the detriment to myself. But I think that, you know, I think in life that I just <laughs> want to make people smile and I want to have fun and I want to inflict more joy into people's life. Um, I'll be launching something soon. I say that and then I go through another um, wave of emotion and grief <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it takes me longer to do things. But I just think that everyone needs a little bit more happiness in their life and they need a little bit more joy. One of the things I want to do is, yeah, hip-hop dancing. So I think it, it's, it's, it makes me smile. I'm not good at it. I'm a giraffe. I'm two, I'm six foot tall. I'm, you know, but it makes me smile and I think that, yeah, everyone deserves a little bit more joy and happiness in their life. Um, things about me that I don't want people to know. I definitely play the victim um, sometimes and I'm working on that. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely something within myself that I'm working on. Me too. Yeah, I think that it's a fine line, yeah, as we've just talked about. It's a fine line between being inspiring and, and, and being a victim. You know, I often project as well as we all do. I think that as humans that we do project onto other people, that's something else I'm working on within myself. What do I I don't want people to know? That I can be a hermit. I'm a very outgoing person. I love being social. I love being out. But I can definitely um, lock myself in my house and kind of 
do what I need to do to process things because that's kind of how I process things. Sometimes I don't like listening to what other people have to say because I think that um, not that they're wrong or they're right, that like neither way, but just I think that we have an in, internal knowing about ourselves and, you know, we we need to kind of tap into that intuitive side in ourselves. Like I'm a very intuitive person and I think that, yeah, rather than going outside of ourselves, we need to go in a lot more. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely a bit of a hermit sometimes, um, even though I love people and so being social nothing wrong with being a bit of a hermit (laughs) I don't want people to know about me um it's a tough question isn't it I think that I yeah everyone thinks that I'm this really healthy person that you know I've heard people you're the healthiest person I know I can go through massive sugar binges sometimes and I have over the last probably year um where I just will like stop at a supermarket like I'll stop at a petrol station and I'll get like three or four chocolate bars and I'll eat them and if I'm feeling deep levels of emotions you know and I'll do it secretly so no one knows and everyone's like oh my god you're so healthy you're so healthy and sometimes I'm not sometimes I'm really I find it really hard to process and you know and so that's what I'll do and sugar makes it worse for me in the coming days just like alcohol it's a depressant you know it's we do those things in the moment and um, the one thing of how I stopped drinking and how I stopped sugar is I'll ask myself, how will that make me feel after or how that make me feel in the next day? And it's the same thing with sugar. Like, am I going to be more emotional tomorrow? Is this going to be good for me? No. Okay, you need to stop. Um, so, yeah, I'd say sugar. Like, I'm, I'm, I can go through times in my life. If I'm, either, I'm either kind of good or bad. And, um yeah, I, I do. I do eat a lot of sugar in emotional heightened times in my life that I really wish I could curb that. I've always been like that though. Um, people- well, something you're still working on and that's okay as well. You know, I think in this sector as well, we are extra hard on ourselves when we don't portray that um, holistic health image or follow the advice that we necessarily give others and we feel like we're kind of being posters or hypocrites in 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 the field but we are human beings as well and I talk about that a lot as too and we have our own stuff that we're working through as well and we definitely do try to lead by example and I think most of us do but there are still things that we are working through too no one in this world is perfect it doesn't matter if somebody is airbrushed on the front of a magazine everyone has their own shit to deal with every single person on this planet and it looks different for everyone no one's perfect. Everyone's doing their best that they can um, to learn and to evolve and to grow. And yeah, I, I can hear Cookie. He's so I <laughs> she's so, she's just sitting there crying. My cats were knocking at the door before, so we've had a zoo being featured oh, in, in this episode. She's just honestly, she's um, she's my little shadow. But if I don't pay her attention and I'm talking to someone else, she's like, "Why are you not talking to me?" Um, <laughs> she's my spirit she's 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 beautiful like she's she gives me so much love without me even realizing it Um, unconditional love that's just really beautiful like she's been animals very inspiring from that point of view you know well thanks so much for being on today it's been so good having you um and I really appreciate you know again your vulnerability and just your genuineness throughout the whole thing and um I think the world needs more of you and more of that. And 
yeah, I hope to see you soon and chat soon anyway. So thanks for being on. No worries, my love. Thank you for having me and congratulations on your podcast. It's very exciting. Thank you. All right. See you guys. Bye.